man, if you can't preach in a service like this, you just need to go into another profession. And I'm going to apologize right up front. I'm not mad this morning. Nothing's wrong with me. Uh, In the nine o'clock service, I don't know if people are used to that level of just, you know how when you're so full of God, you feel like when you sneeze, you smell heaven. You know what I mean? I mean, let's be honest. There's times in our journey where we don't, do not feel that connected to the father and we know he's there. There's ordained wilderness seasons, but then there's also times where, I mean, you just about can't stand it. Uh, Will Hacker and I were at Genghis Grill this week and about 30 minutes into a conversation about the Lord, I said, we got to stop. We have to stop because you just, you remember when the Lord makes those, those whips and then he flips the table over and his disciples said, they remembered that his zeal burned for your house. Oh God, there, there comes times there's, there's, I'm being facetious, but there's a downside to God invading a place. You're ruined for the ordinary. You're ruined for what used to pass your time. In the past month, since all this stuff started happening, I can't even focus on a football game. I find myself daydreaming about the kingdom. Whether I'm at Genghis Grill, whether I'm here, I'm, I'm just being honest. I don't need worship to stir me up. I have stayed stirred up and I don't want to come out of it. You know, what is normal besides that little button on your washing machine? What is normal? Is it normal to have pockets of your time where you're really plugged into the Lord and then just kind of hack your way through life and then it happens again two years later? Or is it possible that my normal gets redefined through the lens of heaven and not through the lens of the natural? Is it possible instead of just visiting the river, just stay in it? I'm being serious. Since Jamie Galloway prophesied over me a month ago, I have had the most bizarre angelic encounters for the past month. And this old ex-Baptist boy, I'm not going back. I'm not going. The, the church in the West is asleep and God's calling Bridgeway to wake it up. And when Jamie prophesied over me from then until now, I feel provoked by God in a good way. So this morning, I want to talk about what does it honestly look like to be possessed by God? Because for the church in the West, what is normal is from time to time, I give up my finances, try not to cuss too much, don't cheat on my spouse, don't cheat on my taxes, and uh, you know, make sure the kids look good at Easter. What's normal in the kingdom is when you're not in vocational ministry and you're on a business trip, that while you're in a business meeting, the literal atmosphere in the room changes. I'm serious now. And someone's looking at you like, what in the world? What's gotten in you? Salvation, the spirit of Jesus comes in me the moment I call upon him as my savior. But just because he's in me does not mean that uh, he is operating in me. You know, you read Philemon, the same power that raised a king from the grave is in me, but that doesn't mean that I am cooperating with that power. And it doesn't mean that I'm abiding. And this is not to condemn anyone. There are a lot of people in this room, you're far from God. And he loves you. Read the book of Hosea. He tells Hosea, I want you to marry a prostitute. And I'm going to show you how I feel about Israel. <laughs> oh, man. Go marry a prostitute and you're going to pursue her. You're going to have children with her and then pursue her and don't stop pursuing her. 
This is not to condemn anyone, but today's message is why visit the Father when you can just live with him? Okay, let's go to Ephesians 6, 2. Because the enemy, if the enemy was so powerful, then why not come in here right now and kill all of us? He can't, he doesn't have the authority. So how does he kill us? He kills us in our thought patterns. There are literal studies being proven right now by MDs that do not even know God that can prove that our even brain pathways become healthy, literally, when we think on pure things. I have heard many people pray recently God, I just want you to come. God, I want more of you. What if I told you that the recipe of why he's doing what he's doing at Bridgeway, and it's going to go all over the world, is not something new, but something anciently old, and we're just tapping into what's already available. It's not something new. Okay, there are a lot of prayers we pray, even through tears, that seem passionate. But they're passionately ignorant, and ignorance is not a synonym for stupidity. You can be brilliant and be ignorant. It's an ignorant prayer to say this. I just ask that you just lift me to heavenly places. I just ask for an open heaven over my life. I just ask you to lift me higher. Well, something happened a long time ago, but what I don't know can kill me. Go to Hosea 4, 6 real quick. So look at this on Hosea. My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. Okay, go back to Ephesians 6, 2. What if I told you that since you're connected to Jesus, his spirit indwells you, that there's a reality about you that you may not be aware of. And it's as real as this University of Georgia, a beautiful 1995 ring. You don't have to yearn for it. You don't have to pray for it. You don't even have to believe for it. You have to lean back into what's already happened before you were even born. And God raised us up. The tenses, T-E-N-S-E-S, they completely whip us all the time. God, I just ask that you raise me up. And the Holy Spirit says, hang on. How can you be so smart? Provide for your family and you're asking God to do something he's already done a long time ago. Is Jesus raising me up or was I raised up a long time ago? And God raised us up with Christ and he seated us in heavenly places. Father, I just ask that you seat me in heavenly places. Why are you going to ask for something that's like Sam coming to me saying, Dad, I really, I want to talk to you. I'm sincere. I'm pure about this. I'm asking you to give me your last name. I would just look at Sam and say, I know you're passionate, but it actually is offensive to me. Has it ever crossed our minds that the Father gets tired of so much unbelief on what was accomplished at the cross that we're not enjoying? Revival tends to hit people who are discovering who they already are, not who they are becoming. So it's combustible. It's like a little nuclear plant. You get 1,500 people believing who they are, not who they're going to be. And I know that the kingdom is representative of it has manifested, it is manifesting, it will manifest. I get it. I know we're not there yet. However, I am not becoming more holy in my spirit. So 2 Thessalonians 5.23, I made up a spirit, soul, and body. Who I am spiritually, I relate to the Father based upon something that happened 2,000 years ago, not how much I'm going after it. The reason I go after it is because I'm realizing, you mean to tell me I'm as clean as you are, Jesus? You mean to tell me right now, this very second, I am seated with you. 
we have two options. I can yearn for the day glory comes or realize glory is already in me. Angels, angels marvel. They marvel at us more over our unbelief than our belief. Because they're going, they're the, they're the offspring of the Almighty. I looked this up. Holy Spirit asked me during worship, how many people have lived on the earth? I said, what? My first thought was, I don't know. So I looked up PRB.org, Population Reference Bureau. That'd be a fun job. <laughs> How many people have ever lived on the earth? The data shows, this last updated 2011, around 108 billion. Okay, let's give or take a few billion. I don't know, there's a bunch of people. Let's just say 108 billion people. 108 billion people have come onto this earth and it's a miracle every time it happens. How many of you mommies, when you give birth to your children or you husbands, you don't even have the ability to compute. You have to be kidding me. Like Sam is 13 now, Ruthie's 10, Jack's 7. When they came onto the earth, all three of them, it's, it's overwhelming. You can't compute it. It's a literal miracle. Out of 108 billion times that the heavens have watched this happen, the heavens have gone, look at this beautiful creation. But there's one baby, there's one child out of those 108 billion that heaven didn't just say, you know what, that is really, look at there. Yeshua was born today. Do you know what heaven did when that baby was born? They just about lost their minds. The universe shook. But a lot of people don't know why. A lot of people tell these funny little jokes about Little bitty, tiny Jesus, eight pound Jesus, this and that. And you picture Jesus as this just cute little teddy bear, little person. And we don't even realize why he was born. My whole life, I've wanted to know Jesus' father. My entire life, even right now, this very second, the reason I do what I do, it's, I don't care about being a pastor. I don't even call myself pastor. Just call me Chad. I, I cannot get over the fact that the God of the universe, the one that props his feet up on the moon when he relaxes, that's my literal dad. But the only way that could ever happen is he had to send perfection. He literally sent himself that little baby out of the 108 billion. He's the only baby that angels bow down on their face. The most powerful angels. And they went berserk. Because perfection was born. Mary had no idea how big of a deal it was, the person that she was giving birth to. Perfection was born. For what purpose? He came here to, here to reveal his father. So many of you are so homesick because you don't know the father. When Jesus forgives that woman caught in the act of adultery, that's the father forgiving her. My entire life, I asked the father to reveal himself and I had no idea that he did reveal himself. That's why I read the gospel of John. When I watched Jesus in his ministry, I'm realizing you're, you are father. Jesus is the representation of the father, Hebrews 1. But this story is the most dramatic stories of all the stories because this baby... With no seed of Joseph in him. The seed of Abba, the father in him, was perfect. For what reason? As he grew, he realized his assignment was not to talk about sin. It was to become sin. In perfection, this perfect baby, about the age of 33, became sin. All of heaven couldn't look. Why? Because the father wanted his offsprings. 
as Jesus became sin for all of us and all these billions of people that you'll never meet to step into the right relationship with the Father in complete righteousness. This perfect baby grew up. He stressed out so much about it that he literally, tears of blood dropped out and he could not even bear the thought of becoming sin. The Father said there is no other way. This perfect king, he's not a president, he's not a senator, he's not a mayor. Heaven does not have any idea what a democracy is. It is a theocracy. This perfect king became sin so that all of us, by appropriating our faith in this sacrifice, could become righteous and stand in the presence of the Father. Now, two huge days, the day he was born and the day he resurrected. When he resurrects, let's put Ephesians 6, 2 back up here. When he resurrects, he looks. The first thing he says when he comes out of the grave is, behold, I've been given all authority. He came to reestablish the authority that was stolen from Adam and Eve. He throws the keys to the church and he says, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to raise you right beside me in heavenly places. You are not worthless. You are not weak. You are not a joke. You are not insecure and you don't need your earthly father to hug you and give you boots for Christmas to make you feel secure. Get out of your natural round family tree and quit blaming anybody for what you don't have with the father. When the father looks at you, he sees you as clean as Jesus, as pure as Jesus, and he does not love Jesus more than he loves you. That baby was born to say, you're now my co-heir and I'm taking you to daddy. He lived to reveal the father. He lives now to reveal the father. When you get to heaven, you're going to realize how obsessed he is with the father. You know what Jesus' mission statement in life is? Father. You know what his strategy is? Father. Peter had no idea what to do. All of a sudden, he stands up in front of the Sanhedrin, and now he just opens his mouth. You want to know why? Because the Spirit of Christ got down into Peter and started residing in Peter. And Peter just opened his mouth. That was the Father speaking to the Sanhedrin. There is a river before us here at Bridgeway. The nations will come and drink from it. But just because there's a river doesn't mean that you're in it. The invitation is not to say, aren't you excited about the river? The invitation is, do you want to get in it? For the last seven days from my waist down, uh, this on live streaming, I I want... let me, let me just say this. I grew up Baptist. I love conservative circles. Love it. I, I want them to come here from all over the place. I don't bash cessationists. I love Presbyterians. I love Meth. I have so much love from the tribe I came from. For the past week, from the waist down, my legs have been freezing cold, and I feel like I'm in a literal river. Jamie Galloway stands up a month ago, prophesies over me. He says, you're going to steward the glory angelic realm. And I said, Me? Walked outside, I said, Abba, I'll do whatever you want. Father, I want what you want. And the father asked me, he said, do you mind if I make a fool of you? And I said, nope. Mm-mm. I said, as long as I get more of you, I'll do whatever it takes on my end to get more of him. The most worthless, demonic, boring, awful life is a life without the power of God residing inside of me. So many people who grew up in a church and go after God and know what it's like to be connected with him, they die silent deaths every day because they remember what they once had. Prodigals aren't happy being prodigals. They're miserable. The guy in the pig pen knew where he was. I, I, don't, I want whatever it takes on my end to have all of God I can have. That's what I want. So the father said this morning, I want you to share about the story. There's going to be people in here this offends. I'm not trying to be offensive. Uh, and it gets me discredited, but it's okay. It's all right. I'm only here. James says life is a mist. What does it matter? Um, Jamie praised that. And 
I'm terrible sometimes in chronological order. But, uh, oh, yeah, about a week later, I was in a worship service right here at 9 a.m. And I said, Father, I just thank you for who you are. And I felt like someone punched me in my stomach and I saw into heaven for about three and a half, four minutes. And I couldn't stop crying. Somebody asked me if I was okay and I, and I couldn't say anything and I couldn't stop crying. There were people as real as, as us. I went back and looked at my journal this week. The father told me this was going to start happening to me and he wants me to talk about heaven a lot. And uh, I saw them and to the left of me looked like this guy from like Avatar. He was blue. So I'd forgotten what Jamie prayed. So I go home and a few nights later in my dream, in my sleep, I don't know how to describe it. I just saw this angelic being blue ministering me. There was like a port thing plugged into this old Baptist guy. I said, Father, why is he blue? He said, because his name's Igniter and red's not the hottest color. Blue's actually the hottest color. And he says, I've released him to Greenfield. There's going to be other people that I bring here. And then I started telling the story. And Lindsay Vartanian reminded me two years ago, Brian Schwartz stood on this stage. This is what he said. There's an angelic release assignment on this house and his name is Igniter. If you remember that word two years ago, raise your hand. I had totally forgotten about it. Totally forgotten about it. Over the past month, every day, I obviously... A man can never understand what it's like to be pregnant. We just, no matter how much you think about it, I felt pregnant before, eating so much food, but I don't know what it's like. But in the spirit, I feel pregnant with something. And I know it's there. Well, the more it increases, I have this holy agitation that's coming from the Father and not from the enemy. It's a lack of desire for the world. It's a desire to be all in with my finances, all in with my marriage, all in with my kids, to be literally 100% so sold out that even if it costs me my own life, I just don't care anymore. I'll go where he says, when he says, how he says, do what he says. I only have one mission statement the rest of my life is Jesus, and then the strategy to get there is Jesus. So the father said this morning, he said, I want you to tell him about the river. Robbie Dawkins prophesied about a week ago that there was a river here. The father told me as I was going back here, Y'all think I go pray back here. There's a restroom. When I use restroom, I go back there. And I walk back there. And I said, what's going on? He said, Chad, there's no more levee. And I said, okay. He says, you're in the embryonic stage of a massive outpouring that I'm going to do here. And it's the reason you had to go to Azusa to spit on the property. I said, okay. I came to staff meeting Tuesday-ish. It was more of a devotion. And I got the word called geyser. I said, we're sitting on a geyser. Holy Spirit had given Teresa Harris that word geyser without me knowing it. On the way to work Tuesday, God says, I want you to call Richard Thornton. Richard Thornton is the father of Michael Thornton. Father wrote the, uh, Michael wrote the book, um, Fire in the Carolinas. He was here springish. I had a conversation with Richard and I was like, this is not normal what's going on. When I got here, Michael's new book was on my desk. The color of it is blue. The name of the book is called Igniting Cities, Digging Up the Wells. It's been prophesied, I don't know how many times around here, that it's coming from the ground up. The river is rising, rising, rising. Okay, so what, what, what am I trying to say? Number one, I don't know. Number two, <laughs> God's here and he's doing something unusual. So here's my sermon. That was my introduction. <laughs> Acknowledging the river, you will forfeit your destiny in this move of God forever. You don't acknowledge a river. You jump. Well, what's it going to look like? I don't know. 
I hope it's so wild that I, hey, make a fool of me to get his, get the world's attention of God. Okay, I was in a, on Google Zoom, you can have online meetings. It's like you're in the same room. There's a businessman, I'll just call him Bob. I've been mentoring for about a year. Uh, When I got online with Bob Friday, I just said, Bob, I need to tell you, you don't need to be on this Zoom today. I'm, I'm about to eat my computer. The God's all over me. And he started laughing. In the middle of the Zoom meeting, he felt the presence of God come on him like that river in the literal meeting. My wife talked about this morning. I've had at least 15 people feel like they're in a river. I don't mean in the spirit. I'm talking literally you feel like you're in a river. God asked me Friday. He said, do you want to lead 3,000 people in a local church or do you want 3 billion? I said, I want 3 billion. And the father said, do you know what Bob Jones said about the billion person harvest? And I said, no. I started Googling it. When Peter and James and John and those guys were following a rabbi and he told them to wait in the upper room, they weren't really sure. Even in Acts, this is what they said. After he resurrects, his own guys, have you now come back to restore Israel? <laughs> he said, no. <laughs> no, this is not about Israel. This is about the globe. And then they huddled together and they went into the upper room. When that same person for the upper room visits places today like he is now, all you have to do is ride the dove. Acknowledging that the Holy Spirit is moving And jumping on his back are two different things. Here's what the father will do. He won't give you a lot of clarity on what this river is. I'm going to read some passages about a river. Because if he gives you clarity, it won't produce the ignition, the igniter inside of you for you to jump all in. The invitation is, would you like to be in this river of what God's doing? Well, are you going to have classes to describe it? Uh, Nope. How do you describe something you don't know how to describe? I mean, how do you describe Azusa? How do you describe Pentecost? How do you... It's just a bunch of people so hungry for God that they leave the place and they say, are you guys drunk? And Peter says, no, it's 9 a.m. And these little flames of fire are over their head. Go to Revelation 22. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God in the Lamb. Down the middle of the great street of the city on each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit yielding its fruit every month and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. The reason I cried so hard is I stood right beside a river a month ago. It was so crystal. It was about the size of a football field and it winded up towards the city. And this city was enormous and there was this power coming from the city. And I kept talking about that river and I kept looking at the river. You know, perhaps some things are not as metaphorical as we want them to be. Perhaps Jesus really did raise Lazarus and he didn't just uh, heal his credit card debt. Perhaps he really just raised him. Perhaps there's a literal river. Maybe the spirit realm came before the earthly realm. And when you start feeling manifestations of God, it's because that realm is, that realm is more real than this realm. There are so many. Let me find my notes. I don't even know this is a sermon with notes. but uh, Go to uh, Psalm 46.4. Check this out. We're going to talk about the river, and then we're going to sign up to jump into it. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. Go to Psalm 36, 8. I love this. They feast on the abundance of your house. You give them drink from your river of delights. The more accurate translation there in the Hebrew is the river of your pleasures. 
So I went on a men's hike about four years ago. It was so hot, I thought I was going to die. There's about 15 of us. And a buddy of mine thought it would be funny to put an extra 10 pounds of rocks in my backpack. And so I'm, I'm, well, I hiked for eight hours with these rocks. And all day, I was like, my shoulders are killing me. I feel like I'm about to die. They had started telling rumors around two o'clock that up yonder is going to be a river. Well, I started thinking about the river all day long. When we got to that river, it was so hot outside. And when I jumped into that river, I can't tell you how good it felt. It was so freezing cold and it was so refreshing. I asked the father, what is this? And he said, it's a river. The nations will come here and drink from it. I said, that's it? Look at Acts chapter 3. This is interesting. Acts chapter 3. I think we try to make everything so complicated. Let me go get my degree so you can call me doctor of the doctor of the doctor. And I can explain to all you peasant people about how complicated God is. You know what God wants you to do? Don't overthink it and jump in the river. Well, what, what if I pray in tongues? Oh, my goodness. Do you want God on your terms or his terms? We want a God we can control. God made us in his image, and we've been trying to return that favor for 10 billion years. Hey, let me tell you this, too, because it's not true. Whoever started the whole, well, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. They asked Peter if he was drunk at 9 a.m. I tried to minister at the conference last weekend, could not minister. I was so drunk in the Holy Spirit. It's interesting what Robbie said. We don't really have a problem even giving up our life. But if the father asks to make a fool of us, we take two steps back. Do you want him at any cost? I'm serious now. I'm saying that I'm preaching right to my beautiful self this morning. I'm looking in the mirror saying this. Do you want him at any cost, Chad? You can imagine how I come across to other pastors that I've done life with or that know about me. It's awkward. Talking about blue angels. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. What if this place is so refreshing you just don't even want to leave the property? I'm serious. What if you come in here heavy, but because you're around so many other people that are already in the river, that their river gets on you without you even believing for it? This is the story of awakening. This is the story of movement. This is the story of revival. This is the story of the Holy Spirit. You can't learn things in a classroom to get refreshed. You learn things in a classroom to align your theology with the way Jesus is already existing now. You realize you already are seated with him. Refreshing comes through Hosea 4.6. My people die from lack of knowledge. Opposite of that, my people live for an abundance of knowledge. This is why Paul prayed in Ephesians 1. I bless you and I pray that you would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation. We're not trying to discover things that no one else has ever known about. We're trying to enjoy the river that has been here before you were even born. Believing in Jesus with mental assent is no different than the demons believing in him. The demons don't jump in his river. There is an undignified thing coming to this house, and you have two options. I'm prophesying this now. I didn't say it's first service. Remain dignified, and you won't get wet. Do what David did, and you'll drown. I want to be like a fish. Dunk me so deep, I just... Think, think about it. 
What do you want? I'm serious now. Let's just, let's don't preach a sermon. Let's just talk. What do you want? You remember in notebook when uh, Noah asked Allie, what do you want? And she can't answer it. What do you, what do you want? I'm serious. What do you want? Well, I just, uh, I want to have a successful career. Okay. Nothing wrong with that. It's not evil. You want a career without being connected with God? I mean, is that honestly what you want? I want a six digit salary or seven digits. I want box seats at this and that. And I want to, I'm going to go to France to climb up on that big tower. All right. All right. I want to write books that change the world. Okay. Until your answer is, I want him. I want him so much. I prophesied over my daughter. Is Ruthie in here? I prophesied over Ruthie a week ago. Uh, oh, yeah, at the conference. And I said, Ruthie, the Holy Spirit's going to draw you so close to him that you're even at times going to shake in your sleep. Well, I'd rather just go to a place that's more dignified. No problem. He's going to love you either way. He's going to love you whether you get in the river or not. And by the way, it, the more you get to know me in the natural, I'm not, I'm boring. I don't drive fast. I think it's demonic to jump out of airplanes with parachutes on your back. Uh, I don't like speedboats. I'm a pontoon guy. I am boring. I, I don't. I don't know about movies. I don't know about music. I'm not talking about just being animated in my personality. I'm talking about having a zeal in my heart that I am just ruthlessly connected to the Father. To the point where you look at someone, they don't even have to talk to you and you can read their mind, not because you're brilliant. It wasn't too long ago. This guy walked up to me. He didn't say a word to me. I said, you think you're homosexual. You're not. I said, you've been struggling this since you were a kid. I said, the father loves you so much. It's a lack of identity. And I said two other things. Never met him. Still don't know his name. He didn't ask for prayer. I just turned to him and told him. How do I know? I don't know. There's a place in God you can get so connected. You live here from there. Oh, father, will you just lift me up to heavenly places? How can I do something I've already done? What if you started praying this way? Father, help me understand this position I have in you. You can ask questions to the father that makes him not want to talk to you. You ask questions you're supposed to that shows faith. He'll answer them before you finish the sentence. Father, I just thank you that I'm seated with you. It gets his attention. The father is not as kind to unbelief as the church in the West is. He doesn't wink at it. He despises it. Paul equates it with witchcraft, murder, idolatry. Many of you are not going to go out of here and kill anyone, yet you will cozy up to unbelief, and it's an idol. It's no different from witchcraft. Well, I'll just take that word and process it for six months. Process it for six seconds. If the Father tells you something, in this metaphor, if the Father tells you something, don't wait for the plane to land. If the Father says, right now is the time, rip the door out of the plane and jump. A lot of times what we call processing, heaven calls delayed obedience. It will get you demoted a hundred times out of a hundred. Our biggest temptation is not getting ahead of God. Why is that always preached? The church in the West, biggest temptation is getting behind him. Why you want to walk with Jesus when he, he never says walk with me. He says sprint with me. Isaiah 40, 31, those who wait upon the Lord, he shall renew their strength that he shall renew their minds he shall renew their inner being to wait upon the lord is to go at his pace how he's moving the lord is slow to us but heaven is not slow 
Jesus loves to sprint in Acts and suddenly and suddenly and suddenly and suddenly and suddenly. And when the suddenlies happen in our life, well, I need a call. I need to go get a spiritual father to help me interpret this. Perhaps you don't have a spiritual father because Paul says, call no one father but your heavenly father. There's a reason that mentors many times do not come into our lives because the Holy Spirit is, is wooing us into a place where he wants to be our mentor. Well, I just don't have my destiny because no one invested in me. Get out of your family tree in the natural and get in your real family tree. You say, well, I feel lonely. Well, renew your mind. How can you be lonely when you're always surrounded by three people? Let us make man in our image. I am always surrounded by family. I just feel so alone. Renew the mind. Take every thought captive. It's a pretty big deal. My dad props his feet up on the moon when he gets in the mood to. Is this not that big a deal? That's all available to all of us. When you start realizing, wait a minute, you mean to tell me this is like the matrix? There's more to this thing than I thought? Saying yes to Jesus is not swallowing the pill that gets you down into the kingdom. Peter followed Jesus three years and didn't know who he was. But when that dove landed, that dove will take you so far down in that rabbit hole, you start discovering things that you never knew. And instead of going to the great man of God to get someone to pray for you, you just go to your dad. Matter of fact, you don't even go to him because you're already with him. You just start saying to the father, I just thank you that I'm already right here with you. I'm in the throne room with you. We pray illegal prayers all the time, not out of stupidity, but out of ignorance. That's why the pursuit of my life is I want more wisdom. I want more wisdom. Give me more revelation, Father. Father, what is this river I'm feeling? Chad, this river's already, always been here. Your revelation is taking you to the deepest part of it. You know, it's interesting. I, I grow in wisdom and revelation, but I don't grow in my stance of righteousness. The moment I said yes to Jesus, I'm not slowly being seated in Christ beside the Father. It happened instantaneously. Have you ever seen that dog that just chases its tail and you just want to stop old Sparky and say, stop doing that? That's your tail. I have four minutes and I'm taking every second of my four minutes. Back in the, I want to say 40s in Manhattan, out of the Vanderbilt family, one of his sons, I think his name is John, don't quote me, went to get a job at a bank. Didn't get the job, they gave it to another person. One of the other execs in the bank realized what was happening. About 10 seconds after he walked out of the room, walking down the road, the exec went to the other exec and he said, do you realize what you've just done? He said, what? Do you know who the man was that you just interviewed? And he realizes, oh my goodness, I didn't hire Mr. Vanderbilt's son. And the next guy who already got hired, they just sovereignly made a decision that that was a mistake. They ran down to get the Vanderbilt and said, I am uh, sorry, you actually deserve this job. He got the job based off of his last name. You better believe favor's not fair. But you know what though? Favor does not equally rest on everyone. Favor rests on him or her who believe that you truly are in Christ right beside the Father. Every time you complain about your parent who's been dead 30 years or how much you hate them or been bitter about them, what you're really saying is you do not believe Ephesians 2.6. Because if you're connected to the Father, you hold no bitterness in your heart towards anyone. When you're connected to the Father, do I really need the approval of other people in my life when my Father approves of me? 
How does Jesus sleep in a rocking boat? Well, he was anointed. So are you. You're smeared with the same Holy Spirit he was smeared with. You know how he slept in that rocking boat? He was so connected to the Father, he didn't even see the storm. You can live here from there and actually start to enjoy storms because it proves where you are with the Father. Don't be like one of those charismatics that prays that storms won't come near you. Look for a storm and go right into it because you carry so much shalom, it should calm down when you get there. By the way, I thought it was cold when I went outside this morning. It is 600 degrees in this room. I could hear the wind blowing this morning. I just figured it was frigid. I have 30 seconds. I'm going to land the plane. All that to say this. Um, Yeah, go to Psalm 42.1. This is it right here. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. When I'm on my deathbed one day, I don't want a bunch of people grieving me. Get away from me and let me go because I'm going to the one I came from. I have two desires. One's on the earth and one's in heaven. They both match. I want to know him here and I want to know him there. I don't want there to be some family line with a bunch of roast beef that I don't want to eat when I get there one day and all these lines where I got to meet all these people get out of my way I'm making a beeline for one person I'll run past the Lord to get to his father and my father and I want to get my hands on him then I want to come to the Lord and I want to meet a bunch of people does your soul honestly long for God you don't have to answer that out loud where this church is going is this I got a prophetic word I can't remember what service it was in was it this one yes I think in January, we get back next week. It's not okay to be a part of this family and not be all in with our finances anymore. It's not okay to be a part of this family and us give 30% effort with our marriages. It's not okay to just sort of kind of evaluate the river. I'd rather you not come to Bridgeway unless you're going to jump in the river 100 miles an hour. I had an awesome conversation with my dad last night. My dad's been a hero to me my whole life. And my dad... Uh, just, I got a great relationship with my dad. And I told him, I said, Dad, here's the deal. Jesus in John 6 had a moment where he knew his ministry was about to begin. At age 44, I believe in January, we'll start what the Father considers a ministry he's called me to will begin. It hasn't even begun yet. And what I'm saying is I'm, before it happens, don't come here unless you're all in. The Father told me that the giving was going to double, that the church would explode numerically, that his manifest presence would increase. I just, God's not calling me to sort of kind of have a cultural Christianity flair to church. Let's try not to cuss as much. Maybe don't speed down the road. Only come here if your soul thirsts for him so much that all you want is him. There's a record label that's being brewed. There is a publishing company being brewed. There's a conference label being brewed. I'm going to cast vision for all this in January. And the Father's going to fund the whole thing from inside, not outside. Do you want 3,000? You want 3 billion? This is going to be a hub. Bob Hazlett prophesied this last week. This will be a hub with other hubs and other hubs and other hubs. And I'm not giving some leadership speech and trying to sound slick on why you need to be in financially. If Father's calling you here, let's just go all in with everything. When we gather to worship, 
Why can't the 9 o'clock service be as hungry as the 11? There's going to be a third service added on a Sunday morning at some point. There's going to be a service on Sunday night called Igniter in the Spirit. You know what the Father said? It's going to be to provoke. It's going to be to provoke awakening. I'm just basically telling you before it happens. It's going to dramatically increase around here. His presence. And I just pray that um, you get all in. Don't sort of kind of go after the Father. Every restaurant you go to ought to be a target for you to prophesy over someone and love over someone. If you're not where you need to be with the Father between now and January 1, just go to him and say, look, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. He loves second, third, fourth, fifth chances. Let's stand. And instead of uh, having ministry at the altar this morning, I'm just going to speak a blessing. Whether you're in a stage right now where you're like Simon Peter, you know what? I am going to have the prayer uh, ministers come forward. Whether you're in a stage right now like Simon Peter before the Sanhedrin where you are at your best or whether you're Gomer, God never changes. He loves you. He wants to use you. Quit making excuses of why you're not in the river. If you're in a place right now that you just want to raise your hand and, and, and just say publicly that you don't want to admire the river, but you want to jump into it, just raise your hand. I'm going to speak a blessing over you. May 2017 completely change your life. May you go to the deepest part of the river and jump in head first. In Jesus' name, may this be so. If you need prayer for anything this morning, we'd love to pray for you. Have a wonderful Christmas. Don't forget to tell your family you love them. Don't assume they know it. Go in peace. God bless.